welcome to the Riverside Church Podcast. Riverside Church is a community of believers striving side-by-side for the gospel in the greater New Orleans area. For more information about Riverside Church, go to riversidelife.org. Bibles and turn to Revelation chapter 1. I'll tell you why we're there here in a second. But first, as you turn there, and by the way, if you don't have a Bible, uh, there's one in the seat in front of you you can grab and use. You can have that Bible if you want, and we'll replace that. If you don't own a copy of God's Word, we'd love for you to have that. Um, yesterday, I was so encouraged um, to see uh, a dozen of our people gather um, to uh, talk about evangelism and to talk about discipleship and to equip us and to strengthen us and encourage us to that end. I was so encouraged that at lunchtime yesterday, uh, 12 of our folks divided up into teams and uh, we prayer walked uh, the, the back neighborhood and, and shared the gospel with some folks and had some gospel conversations and shared some testimony with people. Um, and so uh, praise God for what he's doing in our midst. Uh, if that makes you nervous, that made me nervous. Um, but by God's uh, power and strength, we're able to do that. A lot of uh, really timid, nervous people got out there yesterday and tried to encourage our neighborhood and pray over people, pray for them. And we were so warmly received and we're so thankful for that. So thank you to um, the dozen that showed up yesterday. And so be looking forward for more of those trainings uh, that we might reach our world with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And as we've seen in Revelation that uh, we need to be about this task because our Father is coming back soon. He, he says so. Even so, come Lord Jesus. He's coming coming quickly. He's coming soon. And, and we are told to be ready for that day that the Lord might find us faithful, that he might find us prepared, and he might find us about our Father's business. And our Father's business is to fill this world with His glory. It has been from the beginning, will be to the end, until the point where this whole world is filled with His glory. God's mission is to fill this world with His glory. He's doing that through you and I as He redeems people, as He calls people to Himself, as He recreates people in His image, as we become image bearers as we are to fill this earth with His glory. That's the mission we are part of. We are part of God's mission. And we've been seeing that in Revelation chapter 1 through 3. Let's take one more look at Revelation before we close out this series. We're not doing the full book uh, just yet, uh, unless I get an itch this week to keep going. I think we'll go into another series, um, but uh, but just stay tuned for that just in case. I always kind of leave that option open. I love running the triple option and having some options in my pocket just in case uh, the Lord might lead uh, in that direction. But we're going to take one more look around Revelation chapter 1. And if you've been with us uh, throughout the series, you know this is a little bit back Uh, because we've looked at Revelation chapter 2 and 3 most particularly, haven't we? That's the seven churches that uh, the Lord speaks to in Revelation and tells them all sorts of things of what they're struggling with and calls them back to himself. I've been encouraged and challenged through that in Revelation chapter 2 and 3. And and you noticed, and I, I brought this to bear as we went through it, that the beginning of all those letters in Revelation chapter 2 and 3 are drawing from Revelation chapter 1. He encourages, Jesus encourages the churches in Revelation 2 and 3 by beginning those letters with with some vision of the resurrected Christ drawn from Revelation chapter 1. And I saved this one for the end, and because this is where all these letters are drawing from, I wanted to go back through this one more time. This chapter that we've been drawing from this whole time, I want to walk back through it one more time. And, and maybe you can identify with this. If, if you've ever concluded a vacation, you, you always like to take one more look around. Have you done that before? Maybe it's leaving the hotel room for the last time. You have all the kids packed up, and you're out of the hotel room. You got all the luggage out, but... 
but you want to walk back through one more time. Why? Just, just to make sure you're not missing something. Just to make sure there's, there's not something left to see in that hotel room that you got to carry along with you. So I hope a little bit it's like that. I, I hope we didn't miss something. I hope we didn't leave something behind. On some trips, you like to go back. I, I remember doing this thing, not just to make sure you're not forgetting anything, but to remember and to reflect. Have, have you done this on a vacation before? I, I remember doing this uh, with my son about this time last year as we concluded a father-son trip at Camp Ridgecrest in North Carolina. Um, I almost hated to leave because of the time that we had. So we took one more walk around camp and, and one more walk through the cabin. And, and we stopped and prayed on the porch and thanked God for all he had done uh, in that week. And so we wanted to stop and reflect and, and remember before we got into that car and, and drove away. So a little bit is that's what I want to do with you this morning. I want to make sure we didn't miss anything and also, maybe, maybe we didn't miss anything, and maybe we just need to stop and reflect and, and just thank God for all He's shown us and all that He is. And so, Lord willing, that's what the Lord will do among us this morning. I've been praying uh, to that end. I've been praying that the Lord would, you'll see how this sermon is broken down, the Lord would give us ears to hear, that He would give us a heart to love, and eyes to behold, and feet to follow. Revelation chapter 1, we won't go to every word in Revelation chapter 1, but uh, we'll do a, a good portion of it this morning. Go ahead and look at the first three verses of Revelation chapter 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show to his servants the things that must soon take place. He made it known by sending his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ, even to all that he saw, blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear and who keep what is written in it, for the time is near. The first thing I want us to point out this morning as we walk around one more time to reflect and remember and to make sure we're not forgetting anything before we move on from these chapters is I want you to know that we need ears to hear what God is doing. This is what he says here. Blessed are those who read these words aloud and blessed are those who hear and keep what the Lord is doing. The Bible tells us that faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. And so before we go any further, as we reflect on all we've learned, the seven, uh, the seven letters of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 2 and 3, let us remind ourselves that true blessing will come from us hearing that. From us beholding that as we read those words out loud. Blessed are those, why not just from hearing those words, but hearing this because why? This is the revelation of God himself. Do you hear what he said? That this is God who is revealing himself, namely in the person of Jesus Christ. Even in these words, we behold the person of Jesus Christ. And we'll see that more as we go on this morning. So he's revealing the person of Jesus Christ. He's revealing the plan of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the revelation. He's the perfect image of the invisible God. Hebrews chapter 1 tells us this long ago at many times in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. 
He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making, here's his plan, here's what he does for us. After making purifications for sin, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. And so as we hear these words, we're reminded of what we're hearing. We're, we're hearing from Christ himself. We're hearing Christ and seeing Christ, knowing who he is, knowing who he is, and knowing what he has done for us. John 1.18 says, God was so kind to us that he has made himself known to us, the glory of God, the Bible says, in the face of Jesus Christ. And so by hearing this, we're going to see more of this in a little bit, that we're beholding Jesus Christ. We're hearing who he is. We're hearing what he has done. And in that comes blessing. Brothers and sisters, this is the way of blessing in a world that is falling apart. This is the way of blessing in a world, as we saw in those seven churches, blessing in a world that is constantly hammering us to bow down to the powers that be. This is the way of blessing to kind of put out of our, our ears all that we hear every single day. We hear all sorts of things from the world. We hear all sorts of things from culture. But the way of blessing will be hearing from Christ himself as he reveals himself in the scripture. Blessed are those who hear who Jesus is. Blessed are those who hear his plan and what he has done. And do you hear what it says here? Blessed are those who live accordingly. Blessed are those who obey. So as we take this one more look around, let's remind ourselves that these words are not just meant for information. These words are meant for transformation. These words that we hear in this Christ that we behold is the way of blessing. This is the way to live a blessed life. Why? Because the Bible says, do you see what it says at the end of chapter, I mean verse 3, that the time is near. The Bible says that soon these things that we behold in the book of Revelation, soon these things will take place. And the wording here, this idea of soon these things will take place and the time is near, describes a season being near. Meaning that what is in mind as we've opened the book of Revelation is not so much the date of his return, but what it will be like as his plan unfolds leading to the day of his return. Here's what I mean by that. Revelation, the book, is, isn't so much about trying to unlock the secrets of the future, but how to live today in light of who Jesus is and what he is doing. All that we've heard so far, let's not miss this as we walk around one more time through the room to see what God has shown us, that this was meant for those hearing it here and now. This is not just for some far-off time or some far-off event. This is for this season, in the time of tribulation, between the comings of Christ. For Christ has come, he was and is, and he shall come again. So as we live between the comings of Christ, this is the way of blessing. To hear from Christ, to behold Christ, to live even now, as though he will come back at any moment. For the Lord says the time is near, the time is now, the season is is now. We must hear this truth and living and live according to it. Reminded even that yesterday, weren't we, as we went through that uh, evangelism 
training that the time is near. Jesus is coming again soon. Blessed are those who hear the words, who hear what Christ has done. Blessed are those who hear that this world is broken and we try to deal with brokenness in all sorts of ways. Blessed are those who hear that Jesus Christ has a plan. He is behold, he is making all things new. Blessed are those who hear that the new heavens and the new earth are coming. Blessed are those who live according to that, who repent of their sins and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, acknowledging that this world is broken because sin has entered into this world. Blessed are those who realize that the way to out of brokenness is not through addiction and not through money and not through wealth and not through fame, but the way to eternal life, the way to blessing is hearing who Christ is, repenting and believing that Jesus came to this earth. He died for our sins. He was resurrected. And now he is King and Lord over all things. And blessed are those whose King is Jesus and live as new creations even here and now. That is what John is telling us as Jesus reveals himself to us. Blessed are those who trust in the good news of Jesus Christ, who trust his plan, know that he's making all things new, and live for Christ as the time draws near. Blessed are those who hear that. For faith comes through hearing and hearing the word of Christ. May God give us ears to hear what Jesus is doing and who Jesus is. Blessed are those, the Bible says, who are more than conquerors through him who loves us and has called us according to his purpose. So God give us ears to hear. Not just as we've heard of these last seven weeks, but continue to hear. As we're reminded and go back to these chapters in Revelation. The second thing I want you to see this morning, God, would you give us ears to hear? Blessed are those who hear and blessed are those who obey. And God, would you give us a heart to love? Not only do we hear who Christ is and that he has a plan, we realize that we have been changed by the love of Christ. We have been changed by the love of Christ. Would he give us hearts to love? Let's take a look. Look at verse 4 through 8. John, to the seven churches that are in Asia... Grace to you and peace from him who is and was and is to come, and from the seven spirits who were before the throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, and the ruler of the kings of the earth. Notice the progression. We're going to stop there for a second. Notice the progression of this. Blessed are those who hear and keep what are written in this book, who live according to what they are hear, what they're hearing. And then as the Lord is revealing this to John, do you know what is happening is that his heart is being drawn into worship. This is, the, this is doxology. This is worship that is going on here. He's proclaiming who Christ is. Christ is the eternal one. He is the one who was and is and is to come. This Christ that we're hearing of, this Christ that is revealing himself to us, this right Christ who is demanding our obedience, this Christ who is offering us blessing as we walk in his way and walk in his path, he is the eternal one. And as God is making himself known and revealing himself, particularly to John and and to us this morning, we see that the way of blessing as we walk in blessing, that our hearts are going to be transformed by the worship of the one who is revealed to us. And so we're starting to get more details of who this Christ is. He's the eternal one. He is the faithful one. He is the resurrected one. 
He is the firstborn from the dead. He is the preeminent one in the resurrection. He is the one by whom all other resurrected ones will be resurrected. And it's only because he is resurrected that we have hope of resurrection. Resurrection as new creatures here and now and hope for that day when we will be resurrected once and for all. So these verses as we're hearing is is driving us to doxology. We hear, so let's connect it here. We, as we walk back through one more time, walk around the camp one more time to make sure and to remember and to reflect, make sure we didn't miss anything. As we hear about Christ, our hearts are stirred with worship because of what he has done. That's what he's after here. And this is the way of blessing. This is the way of blessing and walking in a broken world is to live according the work and person and plan of Jesus Christ that we hear and our hearts are driven to worship and do you hear this? The one who is eternal? The one who is faithful? The one who is the firstborn from the dead? The the king of kings? The ruler of the kings of the earth? The one who is and was and is to come? He loves us. That is the one. Do you hear that? Does does that bring your heart into worship? The King of kings, the Lord of lords, the eternal one, the one who was and is and is to come. He loves us. He loves us. And our hearts are stirred to affection because we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. He loves us. And he has captured our hearts by loving us. For Christ loved us in this way. While we were yet sinners, the King of kings, the one who was and is and is to come, the one who reveals himself to us, the one by whom all things are created, the exact imprint, God himself, who is love, loves us. He loves us. And this captures our heart. That while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he loved us in this way, the Bible says. And the one who loves us, he liberated us. Do you hear what it says? Let's, let's walk around it and not miss it. This one who speaks to the seven churches, the one who speaks to the church at Riverside, the one who encourages us in our, in our persecution and our affliction, the one who does not leave us but remains faithful when we grow lukewarm, the one who when we are start to stray to the things of the world and start to look like the world, the one who doesn't leave us or forsake us and remains faithful even when we are not, he loves us, he has freed us from our sin. He has declared us innocent. He has justified us by his work on the cross. That he loves us and he has freed us. He has liberated us. Listen to some of the ways the scripture describes it. Acts chapter 13, verse 38. You don't have to turn there. I'll just read it to you. It said, let it be known to you, therefore, brothers, that through this man, Jesus Christ, there is forgiveness of sins that is proclaimed to you. You are freed from your sins because of the work of Jesus Christ. All those who hear, all those who repent and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ will be saved and will be delivered from their sins. 
2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 17 says, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord, there is freedom. The King of kings, the Lord of lords, he loves us and he frees us from our sins by his blood. This King of kings, this Lord of lords that addresses the church this morning, the one that we have our ears bent to to hear from, that we might walk in the way of blessing and Obey him is the one who loves us, the one who liberates us, and he's done so by his very blood. Let's not miss that. Let's not forget to reflect on this, that all of this is because Jesus is our substitute. Jesus stood in our place. We deserve the wrath of God. We deserve the righteous judgment because of our sin. But Jesus Christ, the Son of God, stood in our place and did what we could not do, offer the perfect sacrifice, and now we walk free because of the work of Jesus Christ. Listen to the liberating power of Jesus Christ that that no longer do you have to try to show your resume to the Lord that you might be accepted and loved, that we find our hope, we find our peace, we find our liberation, we find the basis of our love not in our works but on the work of Jesus Christ. And we proclaim the work of Jesus Christ. Do you hear that? Does that stir your heart to, to affections for Christ that we have been cleansed and we have been freed by his precious blood? Does it stir your hearts for affections of Jesus Christ that he has nailed to the cross the record of the debt that stood against us and he has triumphed over our sin by the work of Jesus Christ and he has disarmed rulers and authorities and there is nothing that will separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord you are secure in him you are liberated in him you are free in him that sin no longer has a hold on you you don't have to live in sin anymore you don't have to keep folding to the things of this world you have a new identity you are no longer in bondage to your sin. And if you confess your sins, he will forgive you your sins because he is able, for he stood in the place of your sins. Would you plead Christ? Plead Christ. He loves us. And he gave himself for us by his precious blood. Do you hear that? Does it stir your heart with affection? Not only has he freed us by his very blood, he liberated, he loved us, but there's even more. He's made us into something. Verse 6. We're not going to go verse by verse, but we need to look at this. And he made us. Behold, if anybody's in Christ, he's a new creation. You're freed, you're liberated, you're loved all by his blood. You're secure in Christ. And he made us a kingdom. Priest to his God and the Father. To him be glory. Listen to the worship. And dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he goes on to say, he is coming again. This God who loves us and freed us, he has empowered us. He has made us, the Bible says, into a kingdom of priests. And that means that each one of us, this is not for a special person. This is not for the pastor. This is not for the priest. This is for all who are in Christ Jesus that you are a priest to our God through our Lord Jesus Christ. This means that you speak of God. You sow the gospel. 
You speak of the good news of Jesus Christ, for you are his priest. This is the priesthood of the believer, as you might hear some describe. We speak of God and we speak to God, so we pray for people as priests to our God. We represent God to this world by proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. So if we've been freed from our sins, if we've been liberated from the power of our sins, behold, we are priests who make it known to the people of this world that they can be reconciled to God. Second Corinthians chapter 5 says that we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us be reconciled to God. There is a way. There's a way from brokenness. There's a way from hope. There's a way to satisfaction. There's a way to blessing. And he has changed my heart. He has changed many of our hearts in this place this morning. If he hasn't changed your heart this morning, I pray that as we continue to behold Christ, he would change your heart and you would bow down to him. For he is coming soon, the Bible says. And one day he says here that every knee, even the ones who pierced him, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is God to the glory of Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So no matter what the world looks like, let's be found doing the work of the Lord. No matter what the world looks like, never forget that you're loved, you're freed by his blood, and you have purpose. You have meaning. You're a priest. You're an ambassador for Christ. And what will drive us to this? Ears to hear, a heart that's been stirred by what Christ has done for us, purchased with his very blood. Another thing I want us to pray for as we walk through one more time, eyes to behold him. Eyes to continue to behold from who he is. We're going to see that in Revelation chapter 12 through 16. I'll read it in a moment. I mentioned last week about a survey that came out a couple weeks ago called the State of Theology um, you can find that online, just Google State of Theology 2022. And as I said last week, it was disheartening to see how many evangelical Christians uh, no longer believe in basic truths about who Christ is. And another telling thing about that survey is that there's a very high percentage, 90% and above, of evangelical Christians who still know how to behave as Christians, Meaning, if we talk about sexual ethics, if we talk about um, the sanctity of life and things like that, Christians are still pretty clear on behavior. But even in that, we've seen that many young believers, many young adults and people like that have walked away from the faith. And there's been some connection made here that perhaps that is because we've not discipled people to behold the glory of God and who he is. In other words, let me say it like this. We've taught a generation how to behave, but not how to behold. Do you see the difference there? You you, you might see it in, in in a marriage sometimes. Sometimes we know how to behave as a husband, but we don't know how to behold the beauty of our wife and the love of our wife in such a way that our behavior is driven by our love for who who she is, and how God has blessed us with that, that person. And so our behavior may be right, but our beholding is wrong. And so here's the connection. People are starting to wonder if they're, and I think that's probably there. We've, we've learned how to behave. And so as a young adult walks away from the church, they realize they fall outside of that, uh, th- that behavior set. And so they walk away thinking Christianity is only behavior. 
And they've stopped beholding who Christ is. And so instead of repenting of that sin and, and coming to the Lord Jesus Christ, the one who loves us and freed us, they just figure there's no hope because I'm not behaving correctly, not realizing that if we behold correctly, our behavior will follow. Do you follow what I'm saying there? And so John quickly goes into our heart's affection. Yes, we are to stay true to these things, but we will by beholding who Christ is. And then our behavior will follow. We are accepted by God not because we obey. We obey Lord, the Lord because we behold that, wow, we are accepted. A sinner like I and me is accepted by Jesus Christ. It's a huge difference. I wonder if that's why the Lord started out this letter to Revelation, like this letter of Revelation like that. So as we start to end this series, can we behold Christ one more time? Then I turned to see the voice that was speaking to me. And on turning, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the lampstands, one like the Son of Man. Let's, let's behold, Christ is among us. He's among the seven lampstands. So we're not talking about a Christ that is far away. We're talking about a Christ who is near, who a Christ who knows, a Christ who loves. And brothers and sisters, if you are, are, are part of, of the body of Christ, know that Christ is near to you. He walks among us. He is near to you. He has not left you nor forsaken us. He promised not to ever forsake us, and he is faithful. He won't. So behold this Christ, and behold this Christ who walks among us, who's in the midst of us. He's clothed with a long white robe, with a long robe and a golden sash around his chest. Behold this Christ who is in our midst, who is our great high priest. That's the imagery that the Lord is showing us as he reveals himself. Do you hear this? Do you behold this? Does this stir your heart to affection? We have a great high priest who is not able to Who's not able, he's able to sympathize. Let me say that positive. He's able to sympathize with us in every way, yet he is without sin. He knows you. He understands your struggle. He understands the pain of this broken world for our God took on flesh and Jesus Christ and came into this world and experienced this broken world himself. And we have a great high priest who pleads for us before the throne of God himself. So therefore we draw near to the throne of grace, not judgment, but to the throne of grace through Jesus Christ our great high priest who loved us and gave himself for us. He didn't offer another sacrifice for us, the blood of bulls and goats, but he offered his own precious blood for us. This is the priest that is among us and loved us and gave himself for us. The hairs of his head, verse 14, were white like white wool, like snow. Some of us these days do everything we can to avoid aging. Everything to avoid those gray hairs, but this is a positive thing. That he is the one who is full of wisdom. Behold your Christ who is the ancient of days. This draws from the prophet of Isaiah. That he knows everything. He knows you better than yourself. He knows our good. And he's working all things together for good. You say, I don't see it, but he is among us. He loves you. He gave himself for us. He sees it. He's the ancient of days. His hair is like white wool. He is full of wisdom. He is wisdom itself. So fear not, little flock. The Christ who is among us is our great high priest. He pleads for us. 
Fear not, sinners. Make your, confess your sins to the Lord. Make them known to the Lord. Confess your Lord to the Lord. He will be faithful and just to forgive us our sins. He's a great high priest. He is full of wisdom. His eyes are like fire, the Bible says, like a flame of fire. He is all-perceiving. He's all-knowing. Believe it or not, our Lord Jesus Christ, who is among us, sees more than we see. We're so limited in what we see. I've described it like this before. It's like looking at a tapestry where you see this beautiful tapestry of things sewn together and then you flip over the tapestry and you see all of these loose knots. Have you ever done some, some uh, needling and things like that? You see this mess on the back. We see the mess, right? We see the brokenness. But he sees far more than we see. He's seeing how he's working all things together for good. His eyes are like fire. They're piercing. He sees to the bottom of us. He knows us better than ourselves and he's, he, he knows what he's doing. That's enough to stir my heart to affection. That God knows what he's doing. His feet were like burnished bronze. He's, he's certain. He's stable. He's firm. He's true. He's immovable. He's they were refined in a furnace. His voice is like the roar of many waters. He has a powerful voice. In his words there are power. In his right hand, he holds the seven stars. From his mouth come a sharp two-edged sword. From his mouth comes the word of God. There is power in his voice. There's truth in his voice. May we hear his voice and not harden our hearts to it today. For he knows truth and he speaks truth. Here's what we are saying. That we need to know who holds the future and who holds us. Rather than knowing the details of the how and the when, the who is important. This is who holds us. And listen to how he ends this. Here's where I want to land this. And when I saw him, so he returns to worship again. Let's make one more loop around the camp to behold Christ one more time. Hopefully we behold Christ every week, but particularly in this text. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet, though dead. And wouldn't you, wouldn't I, we, we realize our unworthiness, This has become perhaps one of my favorite texts in this, over the last seven weeks. And he lays his right hand on me. His hand of power. His hand of strength. And he says, fear not. I am the first and the last the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore. I have the keys of death in Hades Hear this, church, the Christ who walks among us as we fall on our face and worship before him and declare our unworthiness before us. He takes his hand of power, which could easily smite us. He places his hand of power. He places his hand on our shoulder and says, little flock, fear not. My power is your comfort. Therefore, you are more than conquerors in him who loved us and who has called us according to his good purpose. The Christ who of of all power comforts us and he empowers his people so that we realize that Jesus cannot be conquered. For death himself could not conquer Christ and behold, he's alive forevermore and the one with all power places his hands on our shoulder and says, fear not, I am with you. And brothers and sisters, I don't want us to miss that. 
And whatever we may struggle with, as we've seen in these seven churches, wherever our confidence might be lacking in what Christ is doing in this world, wherever our confusion might be in the brokenness of this world or the brokenness of all of our own lives or in the brokenness of this world, may we never be confused and never miss that the God of all grace is the God of all power and he places his hand on our shoulder and says, fear not. Do you know that's the most common phrase in the Bible? Fear not. And so fear not, little flock. Get your eyes on Christ. Let's behold him, his power, his forgiveness, his freedom, His love, the identity that he's given you, the wisdom with which he guides you, the hands with which he holds you, and let's run the race set before us with our eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. May our ears never stop hearing. May our hearts never stop burning. May our eyes never stop beholding. And may our feet never stop moving until the race is complete. Let's pray.